رمضان رمضان بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم السلام عليكم دي brothers and sisters and welcome to Ramadan nights I'm your host Abu Abd Rahman on this fourth night of Ramadan and I'm very pleased to be joined by my dear brother Sheikh Nasim Abidi السلام عليكم دي شيخ As always, it's good to have you with us live in Al-Bayan Radio Studios. Pleasures all else. Here in beautiful Belmore. Yes, it is always beautiful, I'm a Now, we'd like to apologize for starting a bit late due to circumstances beyond our control. Blame Rizmi. Alhamdulillah. Rizmi. A bit of a late tarawih there. Allah Is that right? Yeah. So they start at 7.45. And mashallah, I thought uh, maybe because they start later, they finish a bit earlier. But no, Allah Mubarak, they are. Uh, the whole nine yards, which reading, is excellent. They're reading a jizr, are they? No, no, no. Uh, today he was reading just a bit more than a page per mm-hmm. rakah. Yeah. And mashallah, like a medium recitation. Uh, Sheikh Nazi, Dr. Nazi. Mashallah, yeah. very, very, very nice, tabarakallah. But uh, yeah, he's the reason I'm late, alhamdulillah. May Allah bless him <laughs> and forgive him. From him under the bus. Now, um, we'd like to welcome all our viewers, all our listeners to LBN Radio, wherever you may be watching or listening. Today's topic on Ramadan nights on LBN Radio is an interesting one, to say the least, and I'll pass it over to the Sheikh very, very soon to explain the title, and that is Building Intestinal Fortitude. Now, um, this is inter- This is purely, 100%, totally, your choice of title. Why this title? Building intestinal fortitude, intestinal fortitude is something that I really, really, really love. So for those that don't understand what intestinal fortitude is in you know, it's Aslan to begin with, then it is talking about building a stronger self. Um, I just like the, the way that it sounds, intestinal fortitude. I think it's a very nice, catchy term, and I believe it's strong. And that's what we want to build. We want to build strength. Uh, why the title? Why the topic? As you know, unfortunately, we live in a time and age where a lot and a lot and a lot of our youth, boys and girls, are growing up, and there's a lot of sensitivities to almost everything in life. Um, it seems like a guy can't be a guy, a girl can't be a girl, a parent can't be a parent. Except if someone becoming offended, and uh, that offence ends up leading to people disappearing for months or years, or leaving a masjid, or uh, dropping out of a university course, or leaving a job. And okay, you left it. Did you go to something better? No. Now, what did you do? They just become worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And a lot of the time, it's just simply masked and played off by you know drowning in your phone or drowning in watching movies or games or whatever it may be. And so the person doesn't realize how much of a failure they've become in life until it's too late um, or until at least it's nearly too late. And we don't want that to happen. We want our youth to be upright Muslims. And part of being an upright Muslim is that you have a strong character, you have a strong personality. Um, different people are different without doubt, but there needs to be some level of intestinal fortitude, some level of strength where you're able to withstand, overcome simple problems, things which should not be considered problems in a person's life, which today seems like you've dropped a nuclear bomb on a person's house. And it shouldn't be like that. Mm. You give advice to a person and yani, it's like you told him, Listen, I just received news by Jibreel salam that you're going to the hellfire forever. It's like, brother, relax. Yani. It's a, a piece of advice. Or someone says something and then you get a message later on that, oh, this person said this and uh, that was insensitive. Yani, there's always a, a lot of things that happen and this is not the way a person's meant to be. And that goes to not just religious things, but even like jobs. You know, a lot of our youth, 
they're in year 13 and they sort of want to know they sort of know what they want to do with life for for those that didn't get it yes i know we go up to year 12 but i'm talking about they're beyond year 12 and you ask them what do you want to do with your life inshallah what do you want to do as a job oh well i'm not sure i'm thinking about it uh your your life started you're meant to be in the years like now you're looking to get married etc he doesn't know what he wants to do i know people that are into like their third or fourth degree not because they finished no but that's because they keep chopping and changing so it's not it's not good it's not good um and it's leading to a lot of problems um the the consequences of a person not having this strong character are diabolical <laughs> very nice word they're not, they're not good then they're not good and they're leading and they're leading to they're leading to a lot of issues um marriage divorce drugs um people you know hanging around people they shouldn't be hanging around with etc maybe we'll speak about the consequences a bit later on inshallah but uh we need to we need to learn um to build it and we need to start now because you can't keep living your life like that and we do have a you know part of it is about parenting for parents to also change their attitudes regarding raising their children inshallah now sheikh nasim you've uh, after that introduction which really opened up about many many different topics and and, and issues we can discuss uh, the question now is is where do we start addressing oh. this uh, you know this 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 problem or this issue or this the solution the, the the foundational solution for every single one of the muslims issues is belief in allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whether it is something that you want to progress in get better in benefit from or is a problem that you want to fix and rectify? Always it starts with believing in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A lot of people, when they want to give da'wah, they adv- we, we always advise them, start where the Prophet started. And that is belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if a person's a Muslim and he finds, okay, I have some issues, where do we start? Start in believing in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Who is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Allah azza wa jal is a nafa. He's the one that is going to bring benefit in your life. Okay, and he is the one who causes or in his hand is any harm that may come to a person. So don't be scared of the creation. Don't be scared of certain obstacles that may come in your way. Don't be scared of certain problems that may arise. Rather look at, if I'm with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah azawajal is with me, nothing is going to stand in my way and I'm going to be able to overcome every obstacle. If you believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with that understanding, what does Allah azawajal want from you? Allah azawajal wants you to be a productive human being. A person who's fulfilling the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and is a person who's beneficial to himself and to others in this dunya as shown to us by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So when a person starts to have these understandings in his life, he starts to tread a path which Allah azza wa is pleased with and he's getting closer to Allah azza wa And if you were to look at the reality of many of our lives, especially the youth, and ask, is it pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? The answer many a time, unfortunately, is no. We aren't productive to ourselves we aren't productive to others the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam if you were to look at so much of his sunnah and apply it to the reality of our time yani it'd be considered almost cancel culture uh, people would want to cancel it out like so much things like adinun nasiha the religion is about giving advice no one wants to give ad- no one wants to uh, take advice if you look at things like uh, giving da'wah you know man whoever you say is an evil let him change it with his hand Sheikh Nassim, can i just put yes. like, stop you there uh, I find as well the issue of each to themselves, only God can judge me. Mm. Uh, this is sometimes problematic when dealing with these kinds of all, issues. All of, all of this is feeding into this. All of this is feeding into this. And this is, again, part of the issue that 
if you as a Muslim understood what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from you, you're not going to ever say anything like that. In the, the hadith that I was just mentioning, that man munkaran, whoever of you sees an evil, fallihu biyadi, let him try it with his hand. If you can't, then with his tongue. If you can't, then with his heart. And that's the minimum. This is the order, that's about it? you. That's Pretty about you ability. advising others. Now you're going to advise others. People are, oh, but what if they react in a, in a, you know, an uncanny way, if they, in an unsavory way, in, a, in, not, in not a nice way, or I don't want to offend anyone. Hold on a second, but what about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and what Allah wants from you, as opposed to what the people want from you? Obviously, in the Sharia, we've got guidelines for da'wah. You need to do it with knowledge, you need to do it with wisdom. That's without doubt. You need to make sure it doesn't lead to a greater harm. Yes, we're not talking about the exceptions where it may be a bigger problem, and that's why you stopped. That's understood. But the general rule, I don't want to get involved at all. Why? Because I don't want to have to do with people. I don't have to do with humans. That's not what Allah wants from me as a Muslim. Allah Azza wa Jalla wants you to be a better person. The Prophet ﷺ said, the believer who is who deals with the people and is patient on their harm is better than the believer who doesn't. So Islam wants you to be productive, including including your work, your dunya. Does Islam tell you to be a nobody? Does Islam tell you to be a person who sits in their house, a hermit, doesn't get out of his house? Does Islam tell you to want to be poor? Does Islam tell you to sleep until 3 o'clock in the afternoon for no reason? No. Islam tells you to get out and work. And there are many hadith talking about the virtues of the one who goes out and earns a halal income for himself and his family. There are many hadith that talk about the one who is able to help the believers and how the, the hand that gives is better than the hand that takes and how Islam wants a strong believer. All of these, this is what uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from us. So when we better our understanding of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and what Allah azza wa jalla wants, automatically the mindset starts to change. And this is the beginning point of anything. The mindset needs to change. It's, it should never be about what comforts me. No. What comforts you is secondary. Our mindset is always what pleases Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then how can I fit my comfort into that? For example, my sleep. Okay, what times am I uh, allowed to sleep? What times am I not allowed to sleep? For example, Salat al-Fajr. We're not allowed to sleep at Salat al-Fajr time. We have to get up and we have to pray. So now, okay, I'm able to sleep after Aisha all the way until Fajr. No problem. If you're able to sleep that, go for gold. If it's halal and beneficial, go for gold. But that time when Allah wants you to be awake, you need to make sure that you're awake. Same thing with your character. Same thing with your work. Same thing with your mindset. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala want from me first and foremost? Then I work my way around that. I find my comfort around that. I live my life and my, my goals and my dreams and my aspirations and my enjoyment around what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants first and, and foremost. In reality, that's, that's, that's true servitude of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's true honor. You're honored to, to be a servant and slave 100%. of Allah, feeding your life into what Allah wants from you. That, not the other way around. That fulfillment will automatically mitigate so much of the people's issues which leads to those problems that we're talking about. One of the big problems that we have is we have so much free time. And in part of that free time is freedom of mind. Not freedom of mind in a good way that you're free to think and to uh, to uh, speak, etc. No. Freedom of mind is in you've got nothing to think about. You've got nothing to prepare for. You've got nothing to worry about. You've got nothing to benefit from. You just There's nothing there. When there's nothing there, everything has room. Everything has room to get in. What's your mind? What's your nafs going to lean towards? In the nafs Verily, the nafs is a commander of evil. That mind is going to want to go to that which it considers easy, which it considers fun and games and enjoyment. And a lot of that time, it leads to a person not wanting to do anything. 
Let me just go on my phone. Let me just sleep. Let me just not see anyone. Let me just lock myself in my room. Let me just play my video games. Let me just and let me just and let me just. And unfortunately, you busy yourself with bad, which leads to this weakening of the individual, them having no intestinal fortitude, and them moving away further and further from the religion. There are certain people that can't ever get to a lesson. I put up a, a Facebook post, and uh, it was about the management and masajid, and there was nothing that triggered that post. Nothing that triggered the post. It was just about uh, something that and it came to my mind. Obviously, it's always in the back of my mind, alhamdulillah, being in the masajid. But something in the back of my mind that I said, you know what? There's a lot more people in the masajid now, which usually sometimes means a bit more complaints. I'm just going to put it up there. Nothing triggered it. It was just about respecting the management in the masajid and how even though the masajid are the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they have administration. And those admins make decisions. They have the authority there. Um, that After that post, I got so many people that I have not had an issue with ever in my life. And I, some of them I have not seen for literally months before that. They were asking me, is this about me? And I'm thinking to myself, where did you even get involved? Why would I have an issue? Mm. But it's just that guilty conscience. Why? Yes. Because in the past, because of this lack of intestinal fortitude, one thing was said, they left everything. They made a big scene, they left. One decision went against them, they, they caused a big hurrah. And it was problematic. And I wasn't involved at that time. But because that happened... Lack of intestinal fortitude, it led to so many issues in life. People losing out on business partners, people can't work. Apprentices, he starts, he leaves school, starts an apprenticeship. Three months later, he's out of a job. What does he do for the rest of his life? He doesn't want to work at all now. He doesn't want to go back to school. A big problem. Um, husbands, you know, don't want to be patient with their wives. Wives, don't want to be patient with their uh, husbands. Parents, don't want to be patient with their children. Children, don't want to be patient with their parents. It's just a disaster because of a lack of intestinal fortitude. We believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala want from me? Let me work towards that. At least there's some fulfillment in your life. You know what you're meant to be doing today. You know what you need to be working towards. You you understand. No, no, no. It's not just life 24 hours. How can I waste it? It's life 24 hours. What can I do to fulfill that goal of pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So without doubt, first and foremost, a person's belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. First and foremost is belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you mentioned a few beautiful points there. Be productive, be active member of society, enjoying the good, prohibit the evil. Uh, our mindset needs to change in that we need to first see what Allah wants from us. First and foremost, and our life needs to fit into that. You know, and this reminds me of the ayah, This is the purpose of our life. Allah created us for the sole reason of worshipping Him alone subhanahu wa ta'ala and that worship obviously as we mentioned is holistic 100% it's not just it's way of your acts of worship your complete way of life and if you look at the ibadat if you look at ihsan you know to worship Allah if you see him if you don't see him then know that he sees you if you look at what you're trying to achieve with taqwa that consciousness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and obviously this is the best month of Ramadan may Allah make us from the muttaqin a big part of that is your everyday life you're thinking is it pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Yani, we have halal and haram in everything. When you're eating, there's a halal and haram. There's a sunnah, there's a mustahab, there's a makruh. You know, the way, the way that you, your posture is when you eat, you're meant to be sitting down. What hand do you use? You're meant to be using your right hand. If you're eating with your fingers, you know, the sunnah of the Prophet the thumb, the index hand, the middle finger, to only eat a third and drink a third and leave a third for air as a maximum. For a person to uh, eat 
with other people. For a person to only eat halal. Like you're talking about so many things that if you are just to think, what does Allah want from me here? You're going to be thinking about Allah subhanahu wa the whole time of there, that you're there. When you're talking, what language am I using? What words am I using? My tone of voice, depending on who I'm talking to, my posture and how I'm talking to the person, uh, certain words to ensure I abstain away from, certain conversational topics, ensure I don't get into. There's a consciousness of Allah subhanahu wa in our talking. My dress, when I leave my house, what I'm going to wear, is it pleasing to Allah? Is it acceptable to Allah? Is it appropriate to wear in society? You're, you're, consciousness, you're conscious of Allah subhanahu wa the entire time. As long as your mindset is, I need a place, I'm created to worship Allah Azza wa Jalla to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you don't have that mindset, then none of that is going to be relevant to you. And that's what happens. When it's not relevant to you, you don't have that strength, you don't have that fulfillment, you just become like a, yeah, whatever, I'll do whatever. I'll do whatever. And, and what's that whatever? That whatever, that void is going to be fulfilled, is going to be filled by what I want. What I want. And usually, unless you're extremely disciplined, which is very rare, unless you're extremely disciplined, the answer is going to be what my nafs wants. And what the nafs wants is everything that is opposite to intestinal fortitude. It's about my comfort. And anything that goes against my comfort, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to know it. I don't want to be around it. I don't want to be reminded by it. And if I am, I'm going to make a big hurrah about it. And that's extremely problematic. I like the use of the word hurrah. You've used it a few times today. <laughs> big hurrah. What does hurrah mean? Uh, a big commotion, a big fuss? issue about it. Yeah, big fuss. Another Liverpool word? or No, no, this is... Uh, I think it's I think this is a global <laughs> global classical English. Yeah. <laughs> Any English teachers out there? Maybe they want to chip yeah. in and let us know. Yeah, uh, Moving on. Mm-hmm. So, all right, I've got the mindset right. The belief in Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Uh, I'm doing what Allah wants me to do. Where do I go next? This is I put it second because also from the pillars of Iman, these aren't in a particular order except for these first two. Yep. Is belief in the Qadr and the Qadr of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala that. You understand everything is preordained, it's predestined. Now, I'm just going to explain, inshallah, in a very, 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 very short few minutes, uh, even a couple minutes, inshallah, what uh, Al Qadr and Qadr is in terms of the belief of the Muslim, and then understanding how it will help you, inshallah, as a human being. The Qadr and Qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you believe that Allah Azza knows everything, Allah Azza wa wrote everything down, Allah created everything, and that nothing happens except through the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You as a human being have choice. You choose to do things. I chose to pick up my bottle of water. I chose to look at my phone. I chose to drink a coffee before. You have been given choice by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah azza wa has given you permission in order for you to make your own choices. And Allah azza knows what you've done. Hence, he wrote everything down. What Allah wrote down is not an excuse. Oh, everything's already written. I'm not going to do anything. No. That's not how it works. Allah knows what you're going to do. Hence, Allah wrote it down to show His might and His power. You don't know what Allah subhanahu wa wrote down. So don't use the Qadr and Qadr as an excuse. Okay, you don't know what Allah Azza wa wrote down. Your job, like now in five minutes, in an hour, tomorrow, the day after, next year, I don't know what Allah wrote down. What's your job as a human being? To try and achieve what you believe to be best Islamically and then after worldly for yourself and for those around you. I want to be a doctor. I don't say, well, Allah, if Allah read it for me, I'm going to be a doctor. No, you go and you make sure you, you study hard. You make sure you try, apply for the best universities, apply for those scholarships, etc. When you're in university, you study hard, you memorize, you, you practice well, etc., etc., etc. You do your best to achieve those goals. Now, this is the part that I want to get to. There are certain things 
which Allah Azza wa done for you to happen or for it not to happen. Those things you have no control over. A person who his parents are, you don't have control over that. But you do have control over how you react to it. How you react to it. You can say, oh man, you know, I'm born Lebanese, I wanted to be born Moroccan. Or I'm born Moroccan, I wanted to be born yani, uh, Gambian. Or, I'm Gambian, I wanted to be born from uh, uh, Egypt. Or I'm Egyptian, I wanted to be born from the Maldives. You have a choice on how you react. If you sit and you're going to complain about what happened from the Qadr, which you have no choice over in a negative way, that's just going to take you from a bad place to a worse place. But if you say, this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah is more knowledgeable and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is more wiser than me, I'm going to use what Allah gave me because He knows it's best for me and I'm going to use it for my advantage. I'm going to move on with my life. Maybe I don't understand the logic in it right now, but ultimately it's better for me and the bare minimum, if I'm patient with any calamity that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fixes us with, may Allah keep us safe and firm Amen. and then increase us in goodness Amen. and keep bad away from us. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fixes me with an affliction, it is what it is. Allah knows Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is wise. It's at least a atonement of my sins and I'm going to see my reward of it in the paradise by being lifted up in levels in the paradise inshallah and I'm going to move on with it. I'm going to move on with my life. If you sit there and you're always worried about what happened, remind yourself of the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu uh, whatever misses you was never going to get you. Whatever misses you was never going to get you. That which was written for someone else, it's going to be for someone else. And you're not meant to open up that door. Remember the Prophet ﷺ said, don't say low. If, only if. Why? Because it opens up the bed of shaitan. Open up the door of shaitan. Regret, despair. Ah, oh, if only I married that girl. If only I married that guy. If only I got this in my exam. If only I done that exam. Can you change it? No. Can you do anything about it? No. Move on with your life. Why? Because it's going to affect you. What are you going to benefit from? Thinking about the past. It is what it is. Move on. Live in the moment and plan for the future. But if you keep thinking about the past, it's gone. It's finished. After it's happened, you realize, Dave, that was the Qadr of Allah Azza wa Jal. Say, Qadr Allah Azza wa Jal. It reminds this me of, uh, of the saying of one of the Salaf, your life is three parts. The, the past, that's gone. The future, that's yet to come. And now... So make now a moment of obedience to Allah. If you keep Turn yourself with now. If you're living now living and, the you're, moment. and you're all and only worried about what's happened in the past, you gotta remember what you're really destroying is your future. And it consumes a lot of mental energy as well. It's gone. And then you're gonna be weak about it. Because you're gonna be lucky the Prophet said, you open up the door of Shaitan. There's no intestinal fortitude anymore. Now you're too worried about not making the same mistake again. You're too worried about thinking about that you can't enjoy what you have at that time. No. What happened, happened. It's, that's the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You tried your best. Didn't you try your best? Yes. Khalas. What you can do, okay, learn from that mistake, make certain changes in the future, no problem. But something that you can never get back, khalas, forget it, move on with your life. Especially you mentioned there when you've taken the halal means, you've exerted the effort, you know, halal means you've taken, and you put your trust in Allah, khalas. You try your best. You've done your if best. it works out, alhamdulillah, it worked out. But if it doesn't work out, and maybe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows that, that's, better for you not to have and so you move on with your life you move on so you want that dream job doesn't happen maybe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows why never forget the story of Surah Al-Kahf with Al-Khidr he killed a young boy yani, Abu Abdul Rahman mashallah you have uh, beautiful children may Allah to preserve them and make them from the healthy yeah, from the righteous and the healthy uh, yani, one of the biggest fears of any parent and the greatest of fitan is anything happened to their children anything Al-Khidr killed a child he knew 
Why? The parents, did they know why? All they knew is their child had been killed. But ultimately, for their deen and their dunya, this was better for them. That is one of the hardest things for a person to accept, that their child passed away. But when the belief in the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is there, that okay, it happened, it makes the affliction easier. It doesn't make, not only make it easy, but it makes it easier. Qadr al-masha'afal, it is what is, no one passed away except that their decree has been written. Khalas, you move away, you move on. A person, he tries, you try your best, you try and achieve, but ultimately we submit to the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You tried your best, it, it happened, khayr wa barakah. It didn't happen, ultimately Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows why it didn't happen. Your job is to continue with life. And so, especially for our youth that are constantly upset about someone said something, someone done something, or this happened, stop blaming everything. Stop blaming everything around you. Rather, it's happened, it's done, it's finished. What can you benefit from? Now move on uh, in your life. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck and you're going to literally just demolish your entire future. And you don't want that to happen. Yes. How many are living in the past and, and really depressed and anxious and ruining you know, their future? And uh, it's a very good point there, Sheikh Nisim. So the first main points we spoke about today under this main topic of building intestinal fortitude was belief in Allah and many related topics and belief in Al-Qadar Al-Qadr. Where are we moving to now? The next one is starting at a younger age and this one has to do with someone else. So every other point that we're going to talk about, inshallah, has to do with yourself. This one has to do with someone else. And this is good parenting. So you want to give your child, inshallah, a head start at uh, being a person who's got intestinal fortitude, then you need to be a parent who breeds intestinal fortitude in your child. Uh, Again, you have children. People have children. They see certain traits in their children. Some children, they're just they're, they're made out of concrete. They're just tough. They're rough. They're confident. They're out there. They're extroverts. Others are the exact opposite. They're introverts. They're shy. They're, they don't want to uh, get involved, etc., etc., etc. So now you as a parent, you need to be able to nurture this child according to their individual needs. What do I need to uh, uh, implant in this child? to make him better and what do I need to implant to, in this child to keep him Allah like that but uh, put guidelines on it so he doesn't become a complete tyrant and dictator when it comes to others good parenting is is paramount if a person doesn't have good parenting then you are setting up your child for failure and whether it's psychologists counsellors doesn't matter who it is anyone who deals with treating other human beings uh, trying to you know fix mistakes of of human beings or deficiencies of other human beings, they're all going to tell you, go back to the parenting. What happened in that person's childhood that led them to be like this? Whether it's a person who's successful or it's a person who's not, how was their upbringing? You will find so many of those who, mashallah, are successful in life, confident, um, they've got energy, etc. There was very good parenting there. Very good parenting. You find a person who is struggling a lot, a lot of the time, there was very bad parenting. Whether it was one of the two extremes, either extreme neglect, which is very common, or uh, extreme over-pampering. And this is another big issue. All of the extremes are problematic. You want to be a parent who gives the child what they need. We're not worried about where on the spectrum a person sits. Some, ch- some children need over-parenting. Some children need over-pampering. 
but at certain times. It's not about one size fits all. It's about what does your child need? Are you building the tools required for this child to better live life, inshallah? Or are you shutting your child up for your benefit? This is the most saddest, selfish, <clears throat> most selfish thing that we have today, that the parents who are meant to love their children more than their own self are destroying their children for their own selves. Mm, interesting. I want, I want my comfort. Hey, Habibi, I've just bought you a brand new $500 iPad, not for your benefit, but so you can just be quiet, be drugged for the next three, four hours, so I can sit on my phone and enjoy myself. Or so I can get in a, a bit more beauty sleep. That's not how parenting is meant to be. Yes, you can use those tools 100%, but then use those tools to destroy your child because you're going to see the harms and the effects of that before anyone else. When your child's 15, 16, 17 years old and he does no, has no respect for you at all, who, who missed out? You. You missed out on that child's goodness. Why? Because you reap what you sowed. All you wanted him was to, all you wanted to do was give them that so that they're drugged, so that they don't bother you. Why are they going to now respect you when they're, like, they have to respect me? Well, guess what? When they were a child and they were younger, you had to put in that effort. Why do parents have such a high regard in Islam? Because of the role that they play in nurturing that child. They, if there's no nurturing, and nurturing is more than just putting a roof over their head and cooking for them and cleaning their house at times. No. That's a part of that nurturing. Don't we say to the husbands, no, you need to be better towards your wife. It's not just, well, I go work a job and I pay the rent. I pay the bills around here. So she has to respect me. No, there's also communication. There's dealing. There's presence. There's mercy. There's affection, etc. There's so much more that goes into being a good husband. So much more that goes into being a good wife. And there's so much more that goes into being a good parent. It's not, I wash these clothes, that's enough. No. Are you giving that child what he needs to be a better human being? And unfortunately, most of the parents, they're not. And this is the saddest thing that we see. How much responsibility is placed on the parents? Prophet ﷺ told us, every one of you is a shepherd and every shepherd is responsible for his flock. That's your job. The Prophet ﷺ told us, every child is born on the fitrah, on that natural disposition. Then it is his parents who turn him into a Jew, a Christian, or a fire worshiper. Yani, it is the, the parents that nurture that child. If you want them to be righteous and upright individuals, you need to nurture that. And let's be frank here, Sheikh Nassim, as well. Um, many a times, we shouldn't only tell them, we should show them. 100%. A lot of the time, we talk to talk, but we don't walk to walk. One of my favorite statements is, children listen with their eyes. Yes. This is one of my favorite statements. Children listen with their eyes. We could tell our children day and night, don't swear. All you got to do is swear. Gone, finished. He's seen you do it. So he's going to take it. Uh, don't sit on the couch that way. Don't sit on your phone. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't be lazy. As soon as they say you do it, what's yes. going to happen? I, I know with my own children, they'll be like, Baba, you do it. So I'm telling them, I, I'm trying to instill in them, yeah, Habib al-Alb, there's a big difference between a child and a parent. I go, when you become a parent, you can say to your children the same thing. But that's their mind doesn't comprehend that they're children. But what am I instilling in them? I, I didn't realize how much I had learned of my parents until I, bec I became a parent. Because I started emulating the exact same things that they used to do. When I was young, they used to do certain things. You didn't realize it. But when I became a parent, subhanAllah, I'm doing the exact same things that my parents done. You, it, it's automated. Why? Because that's what was instilled. So some of the things that we're talking about in terms of instilling uh, you know, lessons and, and tools in your child for them to have this intestinal fortitude, putting them in situations which they're not comfortable with.
I'm not talking about dangling your child off a, a you know twelve story balcony. No, but encouraging them to learn things. Have you taken your child to the to the park where they want to climb? Encourage them. There was uh, something a psychologist was talking about the difference between a child who's um, encouraged by their mother and a child who's sheltered by their mother. And it was I can't remember the specifics, but it was like unbelievable the difference when that child who is encouraged by their mother, they're more confident to try new things, especially when they're young. So uh, his mom's watching him. Okay, yalla, go climb. So his mom's looking at him. Go climb. He, he's willing to take more risks and learn as opposed to the, the mother who's, oh, khalas, habibi, it's okay. You stay here today. No issue. Don't worry about it. Khalas, you don't want to do it? It's okay. That sheltering, now we become so reliant on the mother, even in older age. And he can't do anything. As opposed to the other one who, no, my mother gave me that confidence, gave me that strength. Even though she's not right there doing it with me, I can go and do it. Look at life and look at how many people are like that. A child tells his mother, I don't want to go to school today. What's he going to do when he gets a job? I don't want to go work today. Okay, you're fired. What's he going to do when he gets married? You know what? I can't be bothered looking after my family today. I can't be bothered dealing with my kids today. How is he going to be able to deal with problems in life? This person needs to be taught. You need to put him in situations. Even if he's not comfortable with it. If you know it's better for him, that's your job as a parent to put him through that. You can't lie to your child. Or you don't want to build your child so that he fails in life later on. And then we want, oh, what happened to my child? You happened to your child, unfortunately. And I honestly believe that one of the biggest problems we have as parents today and in the community as a whole is uh, we don't give our children enough responsibility from a young age. To build up their, you know, their responsibility, their their their, their confidence in in having responsibility, uh, taking things serious, you know, having ownership over certain things. I believe this is lacking big time. You see a child; he's seventeen, eighteen, and he's doesn't have none of those skills. If I if I look at some of the, let's just say the women for a second, younger girls, forget the Western understanding of life. We need to realize as Muslim, the, the modern Western philosophy, the modern Western lifestyle, it doesn't work. We need to realize that. We need to believe in that. This needs to be part of our iman. It doesn't work. Okay? What does Islam tell us? What does our fitrah tell us? Our nature tell us? We are living like here where khalas, they're in school. Let them focus on their studies and move on with life. We are having, I remember before, we used to have a girl, when she was 16, 17 years old, I'm talking about younger than that, but I'm just going to keep it at 16, 17 years old. She knows how to do everything in the house. She's learned how to do almost everything her mom does. Everything. Top to bottom. She can cook every meal. She, she knows how to clean to perfection. She knows washing everything that a household needs. She knows what to do. That girl, before she gets married, she's ready for marriage. We have a big problem now. We're playing catch up. We're playing catch up. She gets married. Now she's going to learn how to cook. She gets married. Well, she wants to sleep in until I don't know what time. She doesn't want to be a responsible mother. She gets married. She has problems with her husband. The house is not clean. The washing's not done. Why? She was never taught. She was never taught. Young guys, if you're a young man and you're 17 years old and you don't know how to change a tire on a car yet, Brother Jackson, get now to someone who's going to teach you. Because if you don't know how to change a tire... I said, like some guys, they don't have to uh, fill up petrol. Wallahi, there were some 
older teenage boys, they did not know how to fill a picture in the car. What picture was what? What picture was good for what? They had no idea. They had no idea. This is a big problem. So these are just examples, but it really goes back to parenting, it, doesn't it? All of it. You're, you're, as a parent, you're meant to teach your child. I'll teach you. I'm going to teach you how to change tire. Like, <laughs> like, how to check for oil in a car. Now, these again, these are specific examples, but it's part of a bigger mindset. Are you preparing your child for life? You know, the husband and the wife, they both don't know anything about the car. Yeah, and you've got no idea. Yeah, and it's what about the bigger things? A person doesn't know the basic things in life. What about the bigger things? Yeah, and many of the of our youth has got no understanding of you know what the value of money is. By all means, gift your children. That's without a doubt. Gift your children. But if your child is used to my father, I asked my father for five hundred dollar shoes and he got it. For a thousand dollar bag and he got it. When he goes and gets a job and he's got an apprenticeship for three hundred dollars a week, what's he going to learn then? How's he going to be content? And I hear it from young from young men. I'm not gonna go work for three hundred dollars a week. Then what job do you want that gives you the same lifestyle your parents gave you? He's only got one option. He looks at it. I need to go into something haram. Because I got used to a certain lifestyle. Where was the teaching the child? Okay, you want this? Work for it. No problem. I'll get you that, but achieve this. I'll get you this, but achieve it. Work hard and I'll get it for you, inshallah. Or you want to achieve that? No problem. You cut the grass, for example, for 10 weeks straight. As an example, you cut the grass for 10 weeks straight and I'll give you that $1,000. No issue. Why? Because normally it would have costed me $100. So you want to take it on? Go. Get it, put your boots on, go get your go get your hands dirty, and 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 you get what you want. And this is the principle in Islam, isn't it? Jazaa'um al jinsil amal. Hundred percent. The reward is in encompassed uh, in in uh, according to the action. You need to, you need to cheat your child these things. You need to build them up. Even values. How many values are parents teaching their children? Honestly, I wallahi am sickened by the attitude of some children towards other children. Blatant bullying. Blatant. Alhamdulillah, we were from the cool kids in school. So, Alhamdulillah, we had to never worry about bullying in our life. But because Alhamdulillah, of what my mom taught me, we used to stick up for the bullies. Uh, we, no, we didn't stick up for the bullies. We used to stick up for bullied. the bullied. If the, Alhamdulillah, it, when I was there, everyone knew you can't, pick on the, you can't pick on the certain kids. Because it's not about him, that weak person. You're going to have an issue with Nasim. Not an issue. I have no problem. Because that's what we were taught. Now you have Muslim kids, they'll go and bully other Muslim kids for things that are out of their control. A kid has a disability, they tease him, ayyadhan billah. What is wrong with you? Where's your rahmah for other human beings? Rahmatan lil alameen. A mercy to mankind, the Prophet sallallahu was sent for. And you go bully not just any other uh, human being or any other creation, you go and bully a Muslim. You're not allowed to harm an ant. You're not allowed to harm an ant without, without right. Without a good reason. You're not allowed to harm animals. You're not allowed to overwork animals. You're not allowed in war to cut down trees without a reason. You're going to go and bully and possibly destroy the character or the inside or the emotions of another Muslim. What gives you that right? Go and look at the parents. Sometimes well, they're worse than that child. Where was his upbringing where he's taught morals that you defend the weak? Where was his upbringing? Where were his morals in, instilled in him that the believers are brothers? Where was his moral? Was I bringing that? Speak good or keep silent. 
Where was his morals? Where was his upbringing that what goes around comes around? Where were all of these things that were taught, these morals, these guidelines that you're meant to teach your children? You've got, alhamdulillah, it's not as much in the Muslim community, but I guarantee you it's going to get worse in the future. We've got young kids that are killing themselves because of uh, bullying. Now, alhamdulillah, in the Muslim community, this is extremely rare. But alhamdulillah, but I guarantee you, because we're living in Australia, we're surrounded by it. We're going to live like how they're living. We're going to also have Muslim kids that are killing themselves because of bullying. And just imagine a parent waking up, finding their child passing away, and a, and a letter saying, this is the reason I killed myself. That kid that bullied him, if he's of age, he's going to be held accountable by Allah Azza wa Jal for being a reason that that person killed himself. The person who killed himself, he's got his own accountability that he's going to have on the Day of Judgment. May Allah Azza wa Jal, and he forgive and protect all the, all the Muslims. Amen. But your child, that was a reason for it. What are you going to say to Allah, especially that you are a reason that you never raised your child properly? This is a massive issue. And, and, and obviously, anyone who has those thoughts should reach out and speak to someone. 100%. We always advise 100%. the brothers and sisters, even if it crosses your mind, speak to someone. Speak to your parents. Speak to a teacher who fears Allah. Speak to someone in the community. Don't leave it within you. This is well, 100%. 100%. I, I, like, who is instilling morals into their child, uh, into their children these days? Even things about, Abi, a man's not meant to be like this, for example. In these certain ways, young boys are, they become uh, feminine. They become lazy. No, you're not meant to be like that, especially a young man. You're meant to go out and work and do this and respect and go and assist. He doesn't want to. They, the parents, where's the parents? The daughters. Habibti, a woman's not meant to be like this. She's not meant to talk like that. She's not meant to be seen in these particular places. Her reputation is so important. Why, why are we scared to teach our children that? Because modern Western lifestyle, modern Western philosophy, which we guarantee doesn't work because that says don't raise your children correctly. We need to be very careful what our children are watching. Be careful, be, be aware, be across what your children are watching. We've got some of the worst things that our children are watching. Things about uh, fornication, things about homosexuality, things about lying. I've mentioned that before, uh, you know, that show Ben 10. And in my, my son, out of nowhere, just, I mean, starts lying, my son. Why is my son lying? Like, alhamdulillah, I don't lie. His mom doesn't lie. There's nothing around him that lies. We don't lie to him. Why is my son lying? He's got no reason to lie. He was lying. Like, it's not like he's in trouble. He would just lie. One day, because I try and do this, I'll watch what he's watching. So this little Ben 10 kid, all he does is lie to his grandfather. That's all he does. <laughs> he's a superhero kid. All he does is lie to his grandfather. His grandfather asked him, were you here? No. And he was. It's just a lie. Did you go here? No, I didn't. It's a lie. Where were you? I, I was here. All of it is just him lying to his grandfather. SubhanAllah, my son is learning how to lie and he's implementing in his life just from a show that he's watching. Be very, very, very careful what you're doing as a parent. We, don't, we can't afford to have lazy parents. You know, one of the brothers I was working with a particular organization and the main brother he kept you know would always have this discussion how do we get especially when it comes to salah how do we get you know these children to pray and I would always answer start with the parents start with the parents he used to hate when I say that until the end because he realized you got no choice you actually have no choice start with the parents if the parents aren't doing it right what are you going to get after 15 years 15 years of molding that child wrong, how, is it, how hard is it going to be for, for you to do anything? You want a child to come to the sheikh, to a masjid, fertile ground. 
where no matter what is planted, it grows beautifully. You talk to that child about adab, he's already got adab. He respects adab. You talk to him about the love of Allah and the love of Rasulullah he already knows how to love Allah. He already knows how to love Rasulullah So when you give him a hadith, he will implement. I had one kid to show the lack of adab that's instilled. He comes and he was in class and uh, we're talking and the topic of music came up and we're talking about how music is haram. And he's like, oh, if music's haram, then I'm so haram. That kid is showing arrogance. Where is that from? Where is that from? Now the parents, this child has never had deen in his life. He's come to me as a young teenage boy. Obviously there's work in progress. But look how hard it is as opposed to someone who says, Sheikh, I know music is haram. May Allah forgive me. There's a big, big, big difference. Allah can open up, the doors of repentance are open up to anyone. And Allah can change anyone. But give yourself the best possible chance. Give your children the best possible chance. It's unfortunate, Wallah, what we're doing with our children, Wallah, it's so sad. It's so sad. But we don't want, we don't, we're not raising our children right. We're not raising them right. It's only when they're 16, 17, 18 years old, we're getting phone calls. Please come speak to my child. What am I going to say to your child now? Your child just, he doesn't respect his mom and his dad. He's going to respect the gharib. We're not living in the olden days where at least the child was taught to respect his older or the child was, was taught to respect a guest or the child was taught to respect a person of knowledge. We're not living in those days anymore. You as parents don't respect them. You want your child to respect them? Come on. Wallah, it's so sad, but we are destroying our children. We're setting them up for failure. We're letting them, you know, like these are just examples. I'm not that old. These, I'm not talking about 50 years ago. I'm talking about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, when, you know, when guests would come over. I know no one visits anyone anymore. I understand that. But you know, when, when guests used to come over, do you remember when some one of the kids was in the room, what would happen to them? They would get forced out of the room to go and give salam and to sit with the people. You're forced. It's not about you. It's not about what you want. I don't care if you want to sleep. It's rude. Get your backside off the bed and you go and you sit with them and you give salam to them. And even if you don't understand the conversation, you don't say a word, you stay sitting there. Why? Because it's respect. And in doing that, how many kids turned out people who are honorable people today? Because they understood how the world worked. Whereas today, grandparents are coming over, the child stays in the room. What? A grandparent comes and the child stays in the room? Where's the respect for the grandparents? Prophet told us, He's not from us, from the one who doesn't respect and honor his elders. The grandparent comes in and you stay in the room? Come on. What are you breeding in that child? What are you instilling in that child? He's not going to care if the sheikh comes, the sheikh doesn't come. The Islamic school told me. It's another big issue. Don't think that Islamic schools or Islamic organizations are going to raise your kids. They're salt and pepper on the food. They, they assist. But it goes back to your parenting. I love Islamic schools. Not because your child is going to become a sheikh or a sheikh at the end of it. But because of the environment. The girl can wear hijab, inshallah, with no issue. You know, the food's halal. They don't celebrate Christmas, Easter. They learn about deen. Uh, as an environment, 100%, it's, it's beneficial, inshallah. Don't ever think that that's going to make them righteous. No. Never be under that illusion. You, as a parent, have to put in the work. And we, doesn't matter 
you, doesn't matter anyone who works in any organization, you can tell from the kids that are in front of you, at a school, at a masjid, at a holiday program, doesn't matter what it is. You can tell who's got good parents and who doesn't. Before anything you said, who's got good parents and who doesn't. That's by the attitude, the etiquette that they come with. SubhanAllah, if, if you're not doing it, let's, let's start at least. And it's not just about deen. This is very important, dear brothers and sisters. Look at the hadith where the Prophet told you who to marry. If a person comes to you to ask for your daughter's hand and you're happy with their religion and their character. It's not just Wollong, my child's place five times a day. Uh, yesterday, when Wollongong and one of the naughtier kids, uh, mashallah, he got over, like I think about 95% or maybe more even in his Quran uh, competition. We got a Quran competition there. So he got in the first round, he got, mashallah, over 95%. He's a naughty kid, but mashallah, he's, he's, he's a habub. So he comes and he's in the office and he goes, Sheikh, are you proud of me? And I said, no. And he was shocked. He was shocked. He goes, Sheikh, like, do you know what I got? I said, yeah, I know you got uh, a high 90% and I know you came first in the first round, mashallah. I said, but I'm not worried. Inshallah, you memorize the whole Quran. I'm not impressed. I said, you need to memorize the knowledge, but you need to implement the knowledge now. You need to memorize the Quran, but you need to implement the Quran. What good is the Quran if you don't implement it? So I told him, I said, fix your character. And we mentioned a few things. The point is, it's not just about Wallah. Salli ibni. Salli khaf Allah. Al-bisil hijab ya binti. No, it's not just about those things. They're important without doubt. But also the character of the individual. Their strength, the intestinal fortitude that we're talking about. Those morals, those values, those standing up for the strong, uh, for standing up in, in that which is haq, and to fight that which is belted, that which is falsehood, to help the people that are weak, to have this uh, love for the Muslims around the world, to have the love and the strength to get out and do new things, etc., etc., etc. That's what you want. Not just a person who prays. That's a start. But you want everything that comes with a, that holistic approach as a believer. So, Allah could go on and on and on with examples and be involved as a parent. Yeah, be involved, hands-on, be proactive, not reactive. Just so don't destroy your children's lives. Don't destroy your children's life for your comfort, which is unfortunately 100%. our biggest issue. Sheikh Nassim, we can speak all night regarding this topic about good parenting, part of the topic of building intestinal fortitude. But we're gonna have, we're gonna have to leave it here for tonight. ta'ala. Next Tuesday we'll continue with part two of this topic. Just to recap quickly. We spoke about belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, belief in al-qadr wal-qada and good parenting. Any final words before we wrap it up? Part two next week, inshallah. Part two next week, inshallah. If you have an issue where everyone in the world is to blame, then maybe you have an issue of intestinal fortitude. Just remember that. Mm. If everyone has an, everyone's the issue, your friend, your cousin, the sheikh, the masjid, your boss, the work. If everyone's the issue, maybe there's an issue of intestinal fortitude in which, inshallah, Azza wa Jal, once you admit, you can start to work on. Barakallah, Fik Sheikh Nassim. I'd like to thank all our viewers and listeners for tuning in tonight. Uh, don't forget to download the Albanian Radio app at the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel and also to our podcast channels. Barakallah fikum, dear brothers and sisters. And until next time, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This program was presented by Albayan Radio, the voice of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah.